part of the service. Um, it's good to be back home. Um, I will say, it was probably about three days that I really struggled last week, just this past week. Because um, I, was, I was homesick for Jamaica. I was homesick for the children. As you know, my heart just yearns for the uh, um, orphan children. So I was right at home there, and uh, the heat did not bother me. I enjoyed sweating. Um, actually, I had goosebumps when I came back to Indiana. Um, but anyway, you get used to it. It's just, it's just fine and dandy there. However, what kind of settled that is I also have a, an awesome church body here that I would, I miss when I was in Jamaica too. I miss that Sunday, not being here. So I'm kind of torn in between the twixt of them. And it was just kind of, kind of hard to settle down and uh, to really hear from God. And uh, we just had a very, very busy June. And uh, then Friday night, I just, I was just praying. I said, Lord, give me a desire. Because I didn't want to preach. I, I just did not want to. I was not in the mood. And uh, so the Lord answered my prayer and so we'll see what is in store today um, we're in the process of going through the uh, Sermon on the Mount and some of these statements are so loaded and uh, I keep praying Lord you know I had the message was too long for today, I didn't want. I don't want to make it go late, and uh, it's just what. Please be clear what. And uh, so after the viewing yesterday, I sat down again, and then the Lord just kind of highlighted a part that that's not needed this time, and uh, so I praise Him, and it's. As we will hear today, it's all about him. That's the state that we must come to, being poor in spirit. I'm getting ahead of myself. That is the key to the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we miss that, I'm afraid we're working in vain. One blessing that I found, um, I guess first, I joined the two, the poor in spirit and the mourning, because they go hand in hand. The uh, poor in spirit is just a prerequisite to the mourning. 
a spiritual morning. And I plan on focusing a little more on the poor in spirit because if we are poor in spirit, naturally, the morning will follow. The spiritual morning. The last words of the Old Testament, the very last word, is curse. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. It's actually talking about Jesus coming, if I understand that right. But isn't it awesome that when Jesus Christ, when he sat down, opened his mouth and taught them, saying, the very first word is blessed. That is why Jesus came. So we are not smitten with a curse. And it's only through Jesus that we're not cursed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You see, the call to be poor in spirit is placed first for a reason, because it puts the following commandments um, into perspective. They cannot be fulfilled by one's own strength, but only by a beggar's reliance on God's power. There's no way we're going to be these attitudes without the power of God to benefit for the kingdom. There was a time in my life when I, would, I was fighting in my own strength. I thought it was through Jesus, but I would fall into a sin, and then I would repent, and I'd work so hard trying not to, and it would work for a while. Then all of a sudden, in a weak moment, there I went again. We cannot fight the flesh with the flesh and win. It just doesn't work. No one mourns until they are poor in spirit. No one is meek towards others until he has a humble view of himself. If you don't sense your own need and poverty, you will never hunger and thirst after righteousness. And if you have too high a view of yourself, you will find it difficult to be merciful to others. In Emmett Fox's commentary, he provides a practical description of what poor in the spirit means. To be poor in spirit means to have emptied yourself of all desires to exercise personal self-will. And what is just as important, to have renounced all preconceived opinions in the wholehearted search for God. It means to be willing to set aside your present habits of thought, your present views, and your present way of life if necessary to jettison. In fact, anything and everything that can stand in the way of your finding God. It takes a full surrender. Years I read the Bible in a preconceived 
way, kind of thinking I know what it's saying in the way that we were taught, in the way, and I'm not saying it's all wrong. However, don't just go by what we're saying. Always ask God to show you what is the scripture saying here. Don't read it in a preconceived idea of you know what it's saying. We must empty ourselves of everything that hinders our walk with God. One other writer wrote, I, I like this one. Poverty of spirit blooms as God reveals himself to us, and we become aware of his incredible holiness and towering mercy in even calling us to be forgiven and invited to be in his family, to be like him. Isn't that beautiful? And there's a discovery that I've just had in the last couple weeks. I always praise God for his grace. But do you know that it wouldn't be, we wouldn't have his grace if it wouldn't be for his mercy and his love. It's out of his mercy that is new every day that I can stand on the promise that, Laverne, you will never have to pay. I am satisfied with Jesus Christ. It's his mercy that he extended that grace to me. Isn't that awesome? That's the God we serve. Isn't that who we want to surrender our life to? It gives me the glory bones. That's a God we serve. Awesome, awesome God. And this understanding awakens us to a painful discovery that all our righteousness truly is as filthy rags. And to be poor in spirit is to acknowledge honestly and with understanding our spiritual poverty, indeed, our spiritual bankruptcy before God. We really have nothing to offer, nothing to plead, nothing with which to buy his favor. It's his love for us and his mercy that he extended his grace. But upon profession of our faith, coupled with repentance, he allows the blood of Jesus Christ shed for the sins of the world to cover our sins, justifying us and providing us with the access into his presence. Thought kind of slipped my mind now. You know, if we, oh, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. It is the work of God. You know, because of God's love for us, he sent his son to die in our place. He arose from the dead and gave us victory over death. And death is the curse of sin. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's the gift of God. And thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not exciting? So that we can have life after death. We no longer are under that curse of sin. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, where God said, I am satisfied. Because we could never 
satisfy him. The blood of those rams, it was not satisfying. It was Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. It's not the great things that we do. And it's not these, may I say, because we're Mennonite, the Mennonite clothes that we wear, that is not going to save us. It will never save us. And we cannot dress right, act right, do right to earn favor of God. We cannot. It is out of a heart that has met God, that was poor in spirit, that has mourned their condition, and that is on fire for God. That is why we are who we are, or it should be that way. We, by hungering, thirsting for righteousness, we go into the word, and the word will give us those convictions if we allow it to. We can have this huge list, but it will never make you right with God. I'm not saying that we can't have a list. However, it will not save us, and it will not, may we say, it could help if we're weak to be assisted. But it takes way more than just this list to follow. That is not God's idea of his followers. Because, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We can have so many things in front of us that we miss God. That we focus on other things. And God is screaming at us. We still don't hear. For it is God who works in us, both to will and to do. For his good pleasure. It takes a walk of faith. Without faith it's impossible to please him. Therefore, when we are tempted with sin, it should be our new nature, God working in us. The Holy Spirit has now empowered us to respond with, how can I do such an evil thing and sin against God? See, in those moments, we choose Without, sometimes without knowing, but we choose who we're going to listen to. Is it my sin nature, or is it the new nature of God working in me? Which one am I going to listen to? That's the battlefield. You see, old things should have passed away, and all things should have become new. And so many times... We like to take the credit. We want a little bit of credit for our, for our salvation. Um, don't take this the wrong way, please. Um, I've just discovered something that so many times we say, you know, I accepted Jesus and so-and-so, you know, and it kind of saying that's when the salvation happened. That's really not a biblical term. I haven't read yet where it says that we have to accept Jesus. We have to profess with our mouth that he is the son of God, and we believe in our heart, then we will be saved. The believing in our heart is this walk of faith. The believing is an action where we are doing something about it. It's not just the knowing. It's the believing. It has changed my life. Then, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
the Bible teaches us that we are accepted in the beloved, in Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places of Christ, in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the Beloved. In Jesus Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. God chose us. We did not choose him. We accepted it. Well, now I'm saying again, accepted it. However, um, I'm not by that place yet. Let's go on. There's something I want to explain yet. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go forth and bring fruit. Go and bring forth fruit, sorry. And that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now, here it is. When we see that we are accepted in the beloved, that is when, by faith, we enter into it. Does that make sense? When we see that we are accepted in Jesus Christ, and it was his work, we enter into it by faith. That's why it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We must enter into this promise here that we are accepted in the beloved. We are, and he chose us. Let's forget all the wonderful things that we've done to earn this salvation. It's hosh posh. It's nothing. It means nothing to God, all the good things that we've done. There is no room for boasting, only boasting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's our only hope. And one of the greatest secrets of living a victorious life is this. I'm sorry. I jumped ahead. I am crucified with Christ. This should be our testimony. That I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That should be all our testimony. Here is one of the greatest secrets of living a victorious life. Holiness is not the way to Jesus. Jesus is the way to holiness. Let's reverse this. Let's get the horse in the cart again. We can't do enough good to earn our way to Jesus Christ. You know, so many times, well, if I could just pray enough, if I could just study my Bible thoroughly enough, if I could just spend more time with him, that would draw me closer. May I say this? It is Christ who enables us. 
to even pray. It is Christ who enables us to read and understand through the Holy Spirit. It is Christ who enables me to live this pure life. We don't live this pure life that it, so it enables us to be closer with Jesus. It's the other way around. We are motivated to live our life because of what Jesus Christ has done in here. It's not the other way around. We must be pure in spirit. That's the pure in spirit. We understand our condition. We have nothing good enough to offer. Okay, in closing, what is poor in spirit? It is a sense of powerlessness in, our, in ourselves. A sense of spiritual bankruptcy and hopelessness before God. A sense of moral uncleanness before God. A sense of personal unworthiness before God. And a sense that there is to be, that if there is to be any life or joy or usefulness, it will have to be all of God and all of grace. You see, when we understand this, we can agree with Augustus Top, sorry, Top Lady, yeah, it's a different name, who wrote in the uh, Rock of Ages, not the labor of my hands can fulfill, fulfill the law's demands. Could my zeal nor respite know Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Augustus sensed spiritual bankruptcy when he wrote, when he penned this song. And the reason I say sins is everyone is poor in spirit. But not everyone senses it. See, everyone is powerless, helpless, unclean, unworthy, and spiritually bankrupt before this holy God. And also not everyone is blessed because everyone is in that condition. It's when we sense it. And you see, taking this together is when we sense us being poor in spirit, it brings us into the mourning, our spiritual mourning, of, and it clarifies the subjective side of being poor in spirit. It, it will automatically go together. And this Greek word for mourn is used um, in the strongest sense in the Greek um, language. It's mourning if you would lose your closest person when you're lamenting the loss of that person in death. 
If, let's say if we would lose our spouse and we would lament, that's the mourning, the spiritual mourning that he's talking about. It's grieving. To grieve or wail is actually the definition. Blessed are the people who feel keenly their inadequacy and their guilt and their fails, failures and their helplessness and their unworthiness and their emptiness, who don't try to hide these things under a cloak of self-sufficiency, but who are honest about them and grieved and driven to the mercy and grace of God. Those are the poor in spirit who mourn. And we'll, we're, um, the kingdom is ours and we're going to be comforted. It's promised. God says, fear not, for I will be with you. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Isn't that comforting? When we come to the state where, where we are weak, then when, he's gonna, when he is strong. When we're strong in ourselves, how can he show himself strong? And this blessed also is the word of happy. Um, happy almost to be envied. Um, there's such a the joy of the Lord, we would say, is what we have. So I found this. And I thought it kind of sums it up. Happiness does not depend on what happens outside of you, but what happens inside of you. We can be happy. We can still have the joy of the Lord even in the midst of all turmoil that's around us. It's because Jesus promised us, peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives concerning circumstances, give I it unto you. It's just that settled peace. When Christ is in us and we are in Christ, we're enveloped in Christ. That's where true happiness is. Let's pray.